There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome. This is the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg, and this is a weekly conversation where my goal is to talk with guests that either have a great story to tell or have achieved something remarkable in their lives and through their story, hopefully get inspired myself and perhaps inspire you too. Thank you so much to everyone that's tweeted out about the Aquabumps episode last week. Amazing feedback. If you haven't listened yet, it's episode 10. And look, I can't thank you enough for getting the word out about that show. For everybody that tweeted out about that show, thank you so, so much. For everybody that showed out a link, uh, for everybody that wrote blogs about it, there were blogs written about it. It's a really great episode. Um, we've got some great feedback from people way outside the photography community. I'm talking to you, Pete. Thank you. Um, yeah, amazing. Uh, really, really grateful. If you do like this show, if you hear something that makes you think, something that inspires you, something you just like, please do me the kindness of either posting a link to the show on Twitter or Facebook. Reach down into your pocket in your phone, click share on your podcast app, whatever you're listening, and just pop out a tweet or a Facebook update. Uh, tag me. I'll be sure to retweet you or share you. It's the greatest kindness you can do for me. Um, and and that's why we can complete the energy exchange of, of me making something and you appreciating it. And that's how I know you're there. And it's a it's a beautiful thing. I'm on Twitter. You can find me at Osher Ginsberg, O-S-H-E-R-G-U-N-S-B-E-R-G. And if you don't want to miss an episode, you can always go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and comment on the show. Leave your comments there. I read them. Uh, or you can also hear me on Stitcher. But for more information about this show, please visit the podcast page, osherginsberg.com. So... I'm in Sydney, which is amazing. It's really, really lovely to be back. Um, I've made, I'm doing three weeks of breakfast radio at Nova, which starts uh, Monday this morning, if this is Monday the 2nd of December. So uh, Nova 969, that's where I'll be in Sydney. You can probably listen online and I'm sure there'll be lots of tweets out about the stuff we get up to. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Might have made a really difficult bed for me to lie in for the next three weeks in that I uh, kind of decided on a whim that I'm going to live in Sydney for three weeks doing this radio job without a car. So I went and bought a bicycle the other day because that's what I need more bikes and um, I'm going to try and do it. So I know a lot of people do this already, but it's new for me. I've never tried it before. I'm going to do my best. So if you see uh, you know, a, a lumpy man in a white helmet and a giant bike flinging through the, uh, the traffic of Surrey Hills, you know, give me a... Give me a wide berth. I'd appreciate that. Um, 
for those people who are asking as well, I've kind of turned a bit of a corner with my anxiety, um, which is kind of great. I've been just putting so much extra effort into exercise and, and yoga, even though in yoga the other day, the teacher played a Death Cab for Cutie song in Shavasana, it flummoxed me. Um, I'm sure she meant well, but I don't want to follow anyone into the dark when I'm in Shavasana. I'm trying to find my third eye. It was a really great class. Um, I got a really wacky hand balance in. I felt quite ninjutsu kind of like. Anyway, um, I've kind of a bit of a corner. I've been trying to meditate a lot more. That's really been helping. I'm trying to meditate like uh, 10 minutes a day in the morning, 10 minutes a day in the night, I'm trying maybe 20. If my, if my meditation teacher is listening, I'm doing 20 day and night light, I promise. Uh, but that's also maybe helping. I don't know what it is, but it's pretty good. I, I think I'm, while I'm in Sydney, I might try and get my doctor on. He's a pretty amazing guy. Um, uh, so I'm going to try and get him on and maybe uh, he can share some of the strategies that uh, he recommends because he's a pretty, pretty remarkable man who really, really, really helped me. Anyway, let me tell you about my guest today, an amazing man. This guy by the name of Sean Carrasso, just a ball of energy and a passionate human being. He's the founder of Falling Whistles. They are on Twitter at Falling Whistles, which is where I want you to go to get the Updates about the big event that they are planning on December the 10th to mark a huge victory over rebels in the Congo. Falling Whistles work hard to bring peace to the Congo and they had a, a major, amongst everyone that's working hard to bring peace there, they all had a major victory over a particular rebel group, which he'll explain about in more details. But they're um, having an event on the 10th of December to mark this victory. I'll let Sean explain it more, but there's a party happening on the 10th of the 10th. I believe it's in Sydney. Details you'll find at Falling Whistles on their Twitter feed. Um, it'll also be fallingwhistles.com. But before you think, why would I want to listen to a podcast about a war very far away? Well, if you're listening to this podcast on a smartphone or on a laptop, there's every chance that this war has already affected you. It's a very intense story. We talk about war crimes, particularly we talk about violence against women. So if there's any triggers in there for you, perhaps you can come back next week. Uh, but it's a different episode. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Stick with it. We are all one, my friends, on the pale blue dot. Let's do this. My guest today is Sean Carrasso, the founder of Falling Whistles. We talk about how a chance encounter led to rescuing some former child soldiers and began his colossal efforts to help bring peace to the Congo. How the very real brutalities of war in a faraway land can play a part in making the phone in your pocket and the car that you drive. How he dealt with having a loaded AK-47 aimed right at his face. And what it's like taking a meeting with one of the worst warlords in the deadliest war on earth. Russell, welcome. Thank you. Good I'm, to be here. I'm so happy you're here yeah. in my house and we can talk about the incredible work that Falling Whistles is doing, has done, will keep doing. Yeah, all in. All in. You run an incredible, incredible organization that helps rehabilitate war-afflicted children in the Congo and also does a lot of activism around the conflict in the Congo, which is despite what people may know, one of the deadliest wars going on 
on Earth? Yeah, it's it's the deadliest war in the world. You know, we estimates range anywhere from 5.4 to 6.9 million people dead. Those uh-huh. are just astronomical numbers. Uh, that yeah. I think that the numbers are so large that most of the time it's hard for us to comprehend. But um, you know, what Falling Whistles is doing is working to end the war. And that's like when you think about it, like a lot a lot of people listen to this from all around the world, but the majority listen in Australia. That's a quarter of my country. It's wow. an enormous amount of people. Yeah. Um, uh, but we'll, we'll get to that and we'll get to, uh, you know, the effect that your organization has had and, and how it works. Um, and I also want to really talk about how, how you built it and and the things you've achieved because you, you're a very interesting man. We met at, at Summit Series. Yeah, um, yep. Which is a, a, a fantastic group of people that I've, I've, I'm very blessed to be involved with. Uh, I can't remember exactly where we met. Well, I think which what one we, was it? I think we met in Lake Tahoe for a moment, for a brief moment. But where we really met was on Powder Mountain when you were wearing a pink jumpsuit onesie. Yes, a onesie. That's right. Yes, and 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 all I wanted to know was how I could not ride up on the chairlift with the guy wearing the pink onesie. And so, you know, I, I made a very concerted effort to not hang out with you in the beginning. When I'm skiing or whenever I'm on the mountain, I prefer the the day glow onesie. Sure. At all yeah, times. Of course. You know, and I'm I'm a, I'm 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 a I'm a cool cat snowboarder and. And we don't want to mess with those kids. Dude, so. I was the cool cat snowboarder in that pink onesie <laughs> for years in that thing. Yeah. And uh, just, 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 here's the thing. My, my ex-wife, um, so when we right. go skiing, she'd be like, where is that guy? Where, where did he go? Which way are we going? I was like, just follow me. But everybody's wearing a black jacket. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's that's kind of how it started. Anyway, my, d- my dad wrote, wore a bright red jacket as well for the same reason. We always just told him he was a goober. But I think the reason we really made fun of him was because my whole life, since I was two years old, at the top of the mountain before every run, he would just throw his poles to the heavens and scream, Banzai! And we would charge down the mountain. And I, uh, I've learned a lot from skiing and a lot from my dad, but more than anything, I learned Banzai. I Just remember charged. you doing that when we were skiing together, actually. <laughs> yes, I totally. remember you doing that. Exactly. I <laughs> remember right. you doing exactly that. I try to live my life that way. Uh, my word, you do. <laughs> so I remember finding out about Falling Whistles and finding out about, about what, you know, what's going on in the Congo and I'm really grateful you're here because I just really want people of Australia to know what you're doing. Yeah. And more so, I want them to understand that what's going on and how what's going on in the Congo. Is it Congo or the Congo? Yeah, either way works. That's okay. great. Yeah. Um, it's the Democratic Republic of Congo. Okay. But we call it Congo or the okay. Congo. Just how what's going on there affects the world they live in. Yeah. Um, which is so we're going to get to all that. But let, let's get the let's get the story. I I'm, I'm, I want I don't want to condense it. I don't want to miss over anything, but there's a lot to get to outside the other side of the story. Um, you'd finished university. You're, you're doing what many people do is like, that's it. I'm going to grow my hair and just go. I'm done. Going just, to get lost. I'm out. Yes. I'm going to go. Yes. And you went and you went and you went and you found yourself in Africa and then you went and went and went and you were rolling around and you were exploring. You're like, this is amazing. Totally. I'm in Africa. Uh-huh. This is incredible. <laughs> this is bonkers. What's going on here? And then one day mm-hmm. you... What you, you stumbled across? Uh, what was it? A rebel camp? It was what a did, military camp? A military camp. Yeah, One day for the you stumbled, army. You stumbled across a military camp. Now, I'm pretty sure white guy Africa stumbled across military camp instantly. Oh man, 
this yeah. is going to get bad quick. Yeah, you're definitely poking your... I mean, I, I was definitely poking my nose in places where it didn't belong, right? Uh, that was very clear. But, you know, you're also 26, and, and I had very little context for what I was really stepping into and what I was really about to see. The way that it all started was I had had whiskey with a buddy in San Diego just before the trip, and, and he had said, you know, Congo's the biggest war in the world. And it was like, what does that mean? Right, like what biggest war? Like there's a war that's bigger than Iraq. You know, it just felt insane and impossible to me. And mm-hmm. um, and so honestly, like I was going on this. I, I went over to to Africa originally with Tom's for their first African shoe drop. They had sold fifty thousand shoes, and so we went. Tom's shoes is the one for one shoe. The company. one for one shoe company. Yeah. yeah, and and it was the very beginning of Tom's, and and so we went down to Cape Town at the end of it to celebrate. And Blake, the founder of Tom's, was like, well, you know, I know what I got to do. I got to go build this company. And they've now given away 10 million shoes since that time. It's amazing. And, and I was 26, and it was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do, you know? So I just started getting lost, you know? And I hitchhiked my way north and kept going, kept backpacking, asking questions, searching. You know, I had maybe like eight articles of clothing and 20 books in my backpack, right? I'm just writing and thinking. And, and um, when I went into Congo, the original idea was just learn all we could Mm-hmm. you know, figure out a little bit of context and then get out. And on the fifth day, we found this military encampment. And, and as we dug further, we realized that these kids had all been abducted. You know, I mean, you know the stories of child soldiers. They had all been abducted, forced to kill, forced to force other kids to kill. Um, you know, uh, the, the worst stories you've ever heard. And, and these five particular kids were sort of among the clever ones. Mm-hmm. And they had escaped and they had run to the National Army for refuge. And the National Army was then essentially treating them like war criminals for crimes they'd been forced to commit. How old are these kids? These kids in the encampment were 9, 10, and 11. Um, so, you know, you're, you're definitely hanging out with kids. I mean, and they feel like kids, right? Except yeah. that they've done things that most human beings, adults, can't imagine of having done, right? Yeah. And, you know, in the beginning... It's like so little about our lives has anything in common. I mean, we just couldn't have lived more different lives. Mm. But you're sitting there sharing stories and it's like, man, we feel hunger the same way. You know, we feel thirst the same you, way. You're talking to the, their captors or are you talking to these kids? Talking to the kids. Uh-huh. Just talking to the kids. So, how, did so, you get, how did you get near these kids if they were being treated as prisoners? Yeah, well, we had, we had sort of hustled uh, uh-huh. a bit and we had gotten... Um, we had made one of the local colonels believe that we were sympathetic to his political views. And so he had given us a letter of permission to go where we wanted. I don't think that he intended for it to be used. And I'm quite sure that he did not intend for it to be used in this place. Um, but, you know, we didn't know much better. And so we were just sort of pushing the boundaries. Um, and so we ended up, I, you know, we got to spend eight hours with these kids. Wow. And And honestly, you know, I mean... We laughed at the same jokes. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a 30-second delay because of the translator. But you miss your parents the same way. I mean, the differences were real for sure, but, but there's how, how commonalities. Can even, how can you even get it out of your mind that you're talking to kids, like a, you're talking to a nine-year-old, and there's every chance that this kid has pulled the trigger and ended someone's life? None of that comes through in that moment. Mm-hmm. The, the only thing that comes through is that all day long that kid has been beaten by the guards surrounding them, and that that night, if you leave, that they are going to be beaten all night long. 
that's the only you know everything else is is ridiculous and yeah. and and sort of like of a past that you can only imagine and um but that that stark reality that they hadn't eaten in days that they'd been beaten mm. you know a day in and day out had been forced to stand up straight all night long those things you know there's like a very real tangible emergency we just got to solve this right now uh-huh um How, what happened to those three kids it, it was five um we five ended up kids. we ended up working with the UN to get them released. Um, and so that night, they were actually pulled out. Um, well, you, you just called the UN? Well, how did you find Yeah, we, well, we, we, we called them actually like 20 times. We, when we found out about the encampment, we just started calling everybody we knew. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you got to get these kids pulled out. You got to get these kids pulled out. But no one would turn our phone calls because we didn't have credentials. We didn't have yeah. anything. There was really, we really had no business you're just being there. Old Americans, what are you even yeah, doing yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is, like, you're not yeah, this doesn't concern you. That's right. Just go back, go back to your PlayStation. That's right, that's right. Your, your PlayStation, your MTV. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so we ended up getting the kids pulled out that night. It was, it was a crazy situation. You know, the, the UN got turned away four times, and finally they got let in. The boys file, got in the truck. But before the truck was allowed to leave, the soldiers made the boys file out again. And just at sunset, we thought that we were going to fail. Um, and finally the boys were allowed back in. You know, I mean, it was, a, it was an intense day. And one of the things that the boys in the encampment told me was one boy specifically. He said that the kids who were too small to carry a gun, that they had been sent to the front lines of war armed with only a whistle, that they had been sent out as human shields. That's devastating. Devastating. I mean, you're talking about lines of boys, you know. Um, like, like Australians know that narrative when that's, that's what Australia did for the British in, in Gallipoli. In, which is a big part of our cultural yeah. narrative. It's about yeah. like in trench warfare, we would go over the top. And then while Jerry was reloading with thousands of men dead, the next bloke should have a chance to get up and then That's counterattack. Right. That's exactly Cannon right. fodder. That's right. So hang on, they're sending him into the jungle to blow a whistle to scare the enemy. Well, so the idea, would be, the idea would be that, you know, these would be boys who were essentially worthless to the army, right? So you're talking about six, seven, eight years yeah. old. Um, and they would go out, and it wasn't just whistles. It would be like pots, pans, like anything necessary to make noise, uh-huh. right, at night to make it sound like there was a large force. Got it. And, and the idea is, you know, a lot of the Congo War has not actually been, the, most of the deaths have not been from fighting. Mm. It's from prolonged stalemates that make it impossible for anyone to ever get food, medicine, mm. water, anything like that, right? Mm. So a lot of the armies aren't fighting. If, if it sounds like there's a big force, you know, they're just they're just go out into the jungle and take over another area, right? Okay. So, um, but the visual, I think, really that day for me, yeah. it stuck out in a big way. And so I went home that night and just, you know, chugging down red wine, punching holes through a wall, uh-huh. screaming at the moon, wrote this blog called Falling Whistles, sent it to a handful of friends and family, and they forwarded it around the world. I woke up the next morning to hundreds and the next morning to thousands of emails saying, what do we do? How do we help? It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's been... I, I, I don't know that I understood the internet until that moment. Right. You know, the extraordinary power and potential of the internet. That's, that's network effect, my friend. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> that's right. That's exactly what that that's is. That's exactly what that is. And, <laughs> and, and the reality is that, you know, uh, the world did not know what was happening in yeah. Congo. Uh, and, and, and what would have otherwise been a solitary experience yeah. became a global experience. It, but again, you, you go back to, and just explain, it's the biggest war in the world, you say, yet, you know, CNN and every news website is telling us that for years, Afghanistan, Iraq, and now Syria is, you know, the calam- biggest challenge. Calamity, that we face. calamity, calamity. That's right. So, how then, how is it the biggest war when, you, when we see these? Like, how do we get those visuals? How do, yeah. we, how do we put it into context? Yeah, I mean, you know, 
I think the most important thing to say before I explain that is is just that I knew nothing, right? That all this uh-huh. has been learned on the move, right? Yeah. So I'm not the academic expert and I'm not the political expert. Okay. We've been learning through practicality, right? Okay. But I spent the next month essentially meeting with anyone who would answer questions, spent time with the worst warlord in Congo, uh-huh. uh, a number of the rebel groups, their commanders, snuck into the first international peace conference in the history of the country, um, just trying to get answers. And what we discovered is that this, re- this country is one of the most minerally rich places on the planet. Um, twenty-seven trillion dollars in natural resources. Holy moly! To put that in perspective, Afghanistan has about one point six trillion dollars in natural resources. So, huh. you know, uh, you know, it's it's an ex- it's the most valuable real estate in the land in many w- in the world in in, in many ways. Whoa. It's also the poorest place in the world, where the people have the it's the lowest GDP per capita in the world and the deadliest place in the world. And so clearly, those three things that all sound very hyperbolic when you say them, right? They sound like exaggerations are not unrelated. Mm. Um, they're very, very related. So you just touched on something, but I've, I've got to know. I have to know because you see it in the movies, but what's the process when you want to meet an African warlord? <laughs> what's his living room like? What's the, what's it, what's it, what's it like? Mm. You know, like, do you fear for your life? Like, do they pat you down? What's it, what's it smell like? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, uh, when I went and met Nkunda, that's what, that was his name, uh, Laurent Nkunda, um, it, was, it, was a, it was a 12-hour motorcycle ride um, through the jungle. You know, uh, you leave at 4 in the morning. Uh, you're, it rains 10 times before you get there. You're covered in mud and water and all those things, right, that make it feel very Indiana Jones. Um, you know, we went through, I think, five different military checkpoints. At each point, there was a very real chance they would turn us away. Um, you know, we had tried to meet with Nkunda a number of times before this, communicating with his people, but he was always on the move and always sort of, you know, constantly in motion. So so you're thinking the whole time, there's a very real chance that you'll drive there and he'll be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I showed up, you know, he had a beautiful collared shirt on. He welcomed me to his home. These women sang songs and they threw flower petals on the floor to welcome me into his home, served tea and, and food. You know, he speaks five languages. He was trained uh, by, by American military commanders uh, in military strategy. He's, he's absolutely brilliant in so many ways and very articulate. He's a registered pastor and he considers his rebel army to be um, an army of justice and truth for Christ. Do you feel danger when you're in his presence? You know, not then at all. When you're with him, you don't, you're as safe as you'll ever be in Congo, right? I mean, you're, you're surrounded by the very best troops. Mm. Um, that night, it was, you know, very dark and it was time to go home. And he offered me a place to stay because he's like, it's, you know, you shouldn't drive on the roads at night through the jungle. And I was like, I think I just want to go. <laughs> you know, I think I just want to get out of here. And so he got on the walkie-talkie and he said, he said, there's a Muzungu coming down the road. He is under my protection. And I'll never forget that moment because five hours later, you know, under the it's pitch black through the jungle, 100-foot canopies, you're driving on this motorcycle, and we came up to a blockade, a big tree across the road. And, um, and, and, and you know, a soldier came out of the jungle and put an AK right in my forehead. Um, an AK-47. And that's right. And, 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 
and and you know you think you're terrified. I thought I was terrified, right? Like it was a terrifying moment. But the moment that that soldier saw my beard and realized that I was the person that was under Nkunda's protection, uh, I swear I've never been that afraid. You saw, I saw it in his eyes, right? That like he was much more afraid of the situation than I was, um, and and that's that's you know that's the control. Um, that is not, by the way, I think it's worth saying that is not a normal experience in Congo, right? Most most of the Congolese are they they dance, they laugh, they tell stories. You know, this is not it, it is not a Tarzan situation, right? right. Like, this was a pretty unique moment. You know, I think r- never to re- repeat it again. But that was you know that was a big. Uh, you learn a lot in those. Well, it gives you an idea, certainly, of of what kind of uh, what what you're dealing with. That's right. Yeah, um, big time. So that trip ended. You get back to the states. Yeah, and you're shouting from the rooftops to everyone that will listen, screaming like a madman. They're <laughs> killing children. This <laughs> yes. is bad. Yes. And people are like, "Yeah, Sean's weird. He came back from Africa. He's got a beard." That's right. That's keeps, right. Uh, keeps talking about kids. Such a bummer. <laughs> Such a bummer. Such a bummer. No one wants to invite that kid back to the party. Um, yes. And, and that part's real, man. You know, the, but you couldn't get it out of your head. You, that's right. You, you, it was that's like, right. this is it. This is, this is my path. You know, it, the, here it is. It's chosen me. There's that crazy lady on the street corner who's like, do you care about women's rights? And you're like, yes, but not right now. And I'm like, going not, to Trader I'm Joe's. Like, that's right. I'm like grocery shopping, you know, whatever it is. Exactly. Um, and 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 at some level, I was definitely that person, right? Just yelling at all my friends. We friends would throw parties to welcome me home, and I'd be like, "Turn off the music!" And I'd stand up on the bar. I stood up on the bar in a number of different spots oh, yeah. uh, when I came home, and was like, "Everybody, shut up! There's a war going on. Millions of people have died." And 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 it's not that the, that it's not true. It yeah. just isn't effective. It just do- doesn't do anything. And uh-huh. so one of my best friends was a guy named Marcus in San Diego, and I was sleeping on his couch, surviving off his ramen. Um, top ramen, ramen is two-minute noodles. That's right. That's 99 right. cents a packet. Two-minute noodles, you Aussies. Oh, yeah, man. Um, Lived on them for years. Me too. And, uh, and, and he's, a, he's an artist, and so we were spending the days watching old documentaries about revolutions and mm-hmm. looking at old revolutionary artwork and listening to the old revolutionary music from the mm-hmm. speakeasies and from the 60s. And one night, he came to me with a gift that he'd bought off eBay. And it was an old vintage whistle. Put it around my neck and just said, no matter where you go, keep those boys alive in your heart. Like Keep them at the forefront of this. And it was such a simple, loving gesture mm-hmm. you know it was just a, it was just between us at that mm-hmm. time um but then for me i could go out and i didn't have to yell at anyone because everywhere i went people asked about the whistle what's right. that and all of a sudden it's like oh it's for peace in congo and they're like well what's happening in congo and it's like biggest war in the world and they're like really and now it's a new conversation they're asking you questions yeah. and the conversation comes up naturally and i think we really started thinking about what it means to be a whistleblower and mm-hmm. and how really all change throughout all of time has always begun with a whistleblower. The one person that says, hey, hey, guys, no, you should probably know what's happening behind that That's wall. That's right, yes. I'm probably going to get in a lot of trouble, but you should know. You really need to know. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. The, the one, you know, whether it's the kid on the playground who says, don't call him gay, yeah. or the woman in the factory that says, you can't treat us this way. Yep. Right, it always starts there, and mm-hmm. that there's a real pattern to social change. And we felt like this was a really important lesson, especially when the whole world's got the New York Times in their back pocket. And all of us are our own press outlet, mm-hmm. right? All day, every day. We can say whatever we want to the world and we can all listen to each other for the first time in history. Yeah. We felt like the message, be a whistleblower, was a really important message for our time. That, and the symbol was important and, and that 
really what we need desperately, I think, in the 21st century are real strategies for peace, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know, we, we can no longer afford war um, as our futures become increasingly interdependent. And it, so ex exactly that like, was the message. It's like a, a, we're rapidly moving towards a global society. Mm -hmm. And it, you may think, oh, that war's far away. It doesn't affect me. But actually, that war's happening in a place where the corn comes from. That's right. That's right. Well, and that, that's the crazy thing about Congo is that, you know, we talked about the minerals, but we didn't talk about what they're used for. And the minerals are used for every single thing that powers, powers the modern world, right? So cell phones, computers, light bulbs, microwaves, airplanes, cars, every single thing that we use to create the modern world has precious minerals in there. And there's a very, very high likelihood that... The, those minerals came from Congo, and so are what's there's, there's things more. in my, my for iPhone sure. Right Every here. single thing: the microphone we're talking into, the mic, the iPhone that's in your hand, this part the of computer this you're in, working in the Congo. On, more than likely, whoa. Yes, there's an overwhelming likelihood that 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 those minerals came from Congo, and that they were a part of funding a rebel group that is abducting children, raping women, and creating chaos. Where do you even start? I mean, yeah, I, I, the question that I I I, I did want to ask. I'm guessing that in the Congo. What do you, how do you suddenly say, okay, stop fighting? Like, what do you do instead? That, uh, that's my question is like, if you've been fighting since you were 10, yeah. a war that you don't quite know, it's just like, no, this is what we always do. We yeah. go into the jungle and we shoot that bloke or we surround this village or we, you know, we horribly, we inflict horrible violence on the women of this community. Sure. What do you do instead? Like, what's the alternative? Because if people don't, People go back to what they know. Yeah. And if that's all they've ever known. Like, like so is that, I'm uh, guessing. I think, like, I think it's worth saying that the vast majority of Congolese people want peace. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it is impossible to not know if you are there for even an hour, right? The word peace will come out of people's mouths every moment of the day. And, 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 and it's not the way that you think of it here where it's like hippies mm. with their peace signs. It's moms, dads, children, you know, administrators desperately saying we need peace. And, and, and so I think that's the first thing, that the vast majority of the population wants it, is ready for it, pursues it, is actively engaged in the process of attaining it. Um, the second thing is that obviously it's complicated, right? And there are layers to it. And we knew that right away. I mean, it was very clear that like this was not going to be solved with one punch. This was not going to be a one-stroke situation. But we knew that through the process, the most important thing was that we have a coalition of people around the world who are dedicated to seeing the end of the deadliest war of our time. Because we, we see it on TV, we see, oh, UN peacekeepers That's came right. in. And like, so... Uh, you know, you'd see it in, in, in Bosnia, for example. Like the UN just comes and says, all right, everybody, you cut this shit out. And then they just stand around for a couple of years. Yeah. And then when they go, <laughs> yes. back, back, back to, to it. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, we knew that we needed, a, we needed a group of people. You know, it couldn't be like a Leonardo DiCaprio movie where it's like everyone talks about blood diamonds for six months and then we forget about it. Mm -hmm. it ha you know, we, it was, it's probably going to be a decade by the time it's all done. Yeah. And, and that this, we needed a serious contingency of people around the world who are willing to work with us through year after year after year of screwing it up and getting back up and you know all and and having the victories and the failures through all of that towards that day that we had peace and so what we started doing immediately we had five bucks we bought five crappy whistles for 99 cents each we sold those to five friends and we had 50 bucks and then we sold more and we had 150 bucks and my partner dave was in austin texas he wanted to reach the whole world and so we took those 150 bucks we bought a box of whistles and he took that box and he hitchhiked from austin texas to new york city for four months through 40 cities 
just living rooms, coffee shops. And it was like, look, we don't have all the answers. We're not going to be quiet while millions of people lose their lives. Join us. And just selling whistles off this box. He inspired three college students. They rode their bikes from Florida to San Diego, stopping in every city saying the same thing. You know, we said we needed help and eight kids showed up on our doorstep. So we got desks out of dumpsters, put them in our garage, and we like set up a uh, an office for a mm. uh, campaign for peace in Congo, right? We set up an operation and, and, and we spent a full, as soon as we had, I'll break down the money a little bit for you in the beginning. Right. So, cause I think it's helpful for people to understand how this stuff starts. Yeah. I mean, in the beginning I was making $500 a month. Dave was making $500 a month. The guy who hitchhiked, we needed about a thousand dollars a month for the garage. And then we were paying $3,000 a month to this rehabilitation center in Congo that was working with like 267 kids. And so we needed $5,000 worth of whistle sales every month. So we, the business model, we were just out selling whistles like mad people, right? Like at, on the boardwalk and at raves and at churches and at underground parties and everywhere you can imagine, just trying to hit that $5,000 mark. And once we got a little bit bigger than that, we found a human rights lawyer in DC and we said, we want to pay you a salary for 12 months. And during those 12 months, we want you to do nothing but ask questions. Mm -hmm. Just ask everyone, electronic companies, mining companies, politicians, activists, underground activists, everyone, anyone in the world, What's going on with Congo? Why is it happening? What's it going to take to solve it? Mm -hmm. And at the end of that year, you know, we had a mind map. And we had the best answers from the best minds in the game. And that was when we really started trying to unite the coalition. And that's sort of what's led us to this place. It's staggering that you had five bucks. Yeah. You, I mean, I was, I'd spent everything I had in Congo. You know, like I came home broke and, and broke my leg and was like just on the couch just... Uh, with a beard and screaming, you know, I mean, you're just, a, you're just a mess. And that's the thing is that uh, this doesn't happen if Marcus doesn't say, I got your back, you know, and, and, and give me the whistle and support it and design for it. Yeah. It doesn't happen if Dave doesn't say, I got your back, you know, it doesn't happen if the kids, right. You know, th this is, and year over year, over year after year, it has been more and more and more people saying we're in. Like, let's do this. So these people are putting their money with you. They're trusting you That's because right. you've said, well, we're going to do what we can. That's right. But what does that look like? That's the, that's the question. What's, what's, the pass, what's the pathway to peace? A lot of people in Western societies can't, can't quite conceive. Well, I can't conceive, conceive mm -hmm. like, A, what would drive me to that kind of violence in the first place? And sure. B, what would make me consider stopping? Sure. Yeah. Because I've been sure I've been brain told like if I don't hold this gun and stand here and stop that guy coming over here, everything I know in love's gonna end. That's right. That's right. I think there's three things that can be done yeah. that are very real and very tactical that can be done to end the war. Um, the first one is an end to impunity. And and I I wanna break this one down, but because because we there was a rebel group in eastern Congo called M twenty three that popped up twenty months ago. And really, M23 was just sort of like the sister to Nkunda's group. But it was a new name, and it was a new leadership structure, and they were a new entity. And we joined dozens of other organizations around the world um, and tens of thousands of people around the world in trying to stop them right away. And over the last 20 months, that coalition and that pressure has become an absolute roar. And five days ago, M23 was defeated, routed, pushed off the battlefield, and they have surrendered. Some people are calling it the fastest removal of an African rebel group from the battlefield in history. And, and, and so 
I think that what has happened with M23 is an extraordinary example of what we can do when the world decides that we must. And so how did, how did you do it? How did people from another country route out these rebels who are obviously well-armed, well-trained, and, you know, really driven? Yeah. Well, you know, how the, did you do it? There's a number of different things, obviously, right? And it's not just us. I mean, it's, it's so many organizations mm-hmm. and so many people working from a lot of different angles. But, but a big part of it is that the sort of the, 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 the secret, which we talked about before in the Congo War, is that the president of Rwanda, Kagame, has really been behind a lot of this. Now, the thing is, is that President Kagame is an ally to Western nations, and we fund him. And, and so he's been using that money to build up his government and also funding rebel groups in Congo. Mm-hmm. And, and we've all turned a blind eye. And, and the whole world has sort of agreed to not look at this. Um, and this is the power of whistleblowing. Right, you know, part of what happened was um, there was a UN report that was leaked last year that um, we didn't want released that proved conclusively that the Rwandan president was, or that the Rwandan government was was fueling and funding this, and um, and 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 so. M23 invaded a city called Goma. Goma is where a ton of our partners live and work. And so everything changed in that moment. Um, you know, we had 400 kids in hiding, the security guard beaten to a pulp, the radio station, you know, 40 journalists were under desks, um, hiding, you know, without food or for the next three days. The hospital that we funded was overrun. We had to evacuate a family, you know, I mean, things went crazy. We had a partner behind enemy lines feeding us real-time intel. And so in 48 hours, we built a flash website called stopm23.com. It was a really simple site. It just said, this is the facts. This is what's going on. If you want to stop M23, tweet Ambassador Rice. She's our ambassador to the UN. And so there was a button. You pressed it. It had an automatic filled thing in your Twitter that just said, I want peace in Congo, stop in 23, sanction Rwanda. And this site went live and it went nuts. And we bombarded the US ambassador with tens of thousands of tweets. The site had 60 million impressions. Um, You know, essentially what happened was from that site, international headlines all over the world we're all of a sudden very comfortable saying that Rwanda was behind this. Mm-hmm. Um, we got the 15 largest organizations in the West who are focused on this issue to sign a joint letter to the president saying that we needed to cut the funding to M23 by cutting aid to Rwanda. Congress held emergency hearings. They quoted our website as they forced the State Department to admit the truth behind the war for the first time. The president of the United States called the president of Rwanda, said, stop. The Western governments cut $400 million in aid to Rwanda. And by the end of it, by the time this was done, M23 retreated from Goma. And so what I want you to imagine is a rebel group making war and the world collectively with our shared voice demanding that they retreat and us winning. I mean, we won that day and they retreated. And and now 10 months later, you know, their leader has been forced to surrender the appointment of the first aggressive peacekeeping force in history has been made. And, and so they went out and they took out M23. We've got five special envoys from five different entities working to end the war. You know, I mean, the, the tides have shifted dramatically. And, and I, I deeply believe that this is the power of whistleblowing, right? It's the power of saying it out loud. Where were you when you heard the news? Uh-huh. How did you hear the news? Because I'm, I'm guessing that. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Actually, let me say that because the misconception is that communication in third world nations is is primitive. It's actually very, very good. Oh, it's great. Wireless there is because wired technology is difficult, but wireless technology is fantastic. Yeah, the the internet sucks in Congo, but text is awesome. So, so I'm getting. I mean, I get. I'm getting real time intel from all over Congo all yeah. the time. Um, we have great friends, you know, who constantly are. Keeping so, how us did you there. find out? Uh, what was the, what was the first glimpse that you saw? Oh my goodness, this is happening. Yeah. um, This is turning. I got an email from um, Amani. Amani is one of our partners. His name means Peace Warrior, and he works in the war region. Um, And and so it was about about one in the morning, and we were in our our art studio because we are designing a book that we'll be releasing on December 10th called The Free World Reader. I'd love for all of you guys to get it. Absolutely. <laughs> There's yeah. my shout out. Uh, and, and so we were designing this book. You know, we're all, it, we're like, drinking espresso and smoking cigarettes and there's hip hop in the background and it's late and you're just trying to push through like a, you know, kind of a design night. And, um, and all of a sudden I get this email from Amani and he's just screaming, we stopped him 23! We stopped him 23! And I'm like, what? And I, Like, I'm dude, like, don't want to type in all caps. Come yeah, on. Like, uh, you know, it's like, <laughs> what's he even talking about? Like, because I knew that, I knew that obviously we're following it. You know, the Congo army and the UN peacekeepers were going after him 23, yeah. but they'd only been going after them at that point aggressively for five days. So I thought we were talking about months. Yeah. And, and... At the end of five days, I mean, they routed all four strategic bases. M23 was scattered, and there was literally a victory um, that was definitive. And it doesn't mean that it, that the problems are done. It doesn't mean that you know that M23 won't come back. It doesn't mean that like this is the end. It means that there was a beginning when they invaded Goma. And the world demanded that they be stopped. And there is now an end where they have been stopped, pushed out of Congo, and forced to sign peace treaties and are now being essentially captured to be handed over as war criminals. How does it feel to have played a part in that, Sean? You know, it's interesting. We That night in the... Um, in the in the studio, I was with the designer who had built the Stop in Twenty Three campaign, and uh, so we're like, you know, we're like high fiving, and we're I'm riding Amani back, you know, just like, oh my god, you know, I love you, like I'm so happy, this is amazing, and 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 so we print out this sign, the Stop in Twenty Three, with like the stop sign and it's the symbol, and we just write with big marker, we stopped M Twenty Three, right? And we put it to the wall and we filmed it, and I put it on Instagram. 
Um, and and all of a sudden, the next day, woke up to huge blowback from all of these different people around the world saying, like, are you claiming credit for stopping M23? Mm-hmm. And 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 I remember getting the the emails and the tweets and like all these things and just laughing because it's like, you know, like when my college football team won, I said we won the national championship, and 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 when Barack Obama won, I said we got Barack Obama elected, and uh, we, you know when we got the special envoy, we said we got the envoy, we do this. When you cheer for something and you fight for something and it happens, it's we. Um, and and I and I think I realized in that moment just this is one of the reasons why we so often don't accomplish these great goals because we get distracted halfway with like who gets the credit and who's responsible and you know how do you how do you compensate for that and all this nonsense when like man the goal is peace you know let's see an end of the war and stopping M23 is a major milestone in the process, and, and we should all be high-fiving. It, it is a victory for the world. It really is. I believe it. I've never been more proud of our generation. Um, you know, the people of our time decided to say no to mm. the exploitation of the Congolese people, and that is, that is in direct contrast to the patterns of my parents and their parents and their parents and their parents before them. We either ignored it or we condoned it or we created it. And 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 so in 2013, you know, people decided to behave differently and and I'm frankly very proud of us. It's when I read that news the other day cuz I knew we were going to do this interview, I was like Wow, because I know we've been trying to do this for for a little while. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, that's why we had to wait." <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, universe. That's right. Nice one. That's right. We get that's to talk. Right. But I'm guessing, right? But how long did it take you for, to go from yes, awesome, okay, now how do we make sure it never? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what's, what's next? Like, that's right. I guess that's a question I I, I keep because falling whistles. You not only help rehabilitate. Uh, former child soldiers but you also do a lot of work with the community to to i mean i'm guessing you just want to try and make the society or help the society develop to a place where you know if, if someone comes in and goes those guys over there we should shoot them and goes yeah you know what i'm really happy with my cell phone store yeah i really yeah. like you know my family i'm actually cool yeah you gotta be angry yeah like because i guess a lot of the you know radicalization in, from what I very, very barely know, is when people have got nothing to lose, they're really easy to radicalize. Yes, but when that's right. when that's you give exactly someone right. like this is here, go do this. Have, you know, I mean, is that what you're... I believe? I believe the future of Congo lies in the hands of an organized and vibrant middle class. Okay, I really do. I think that, and and I think that the talent and the intelligence and the capacity is all there. Um, you know, the the generation is there, ready and working towards having some opportunity. And so, um, I think you know the first step we got to remove belligerence from the battlefield. We got to take down M23. We got to take down FDLR who committed the genocide back in 94. Uh, and, and there's a whole lineage of groups that we need to take down with this, the aggressive UN peacekeeping forces in collaboration with the Congo army. We need to take them all down. And then we need to do, in the spirit of the Nuremberg trials, public trials where people who committed war crimes are forced to account for their actions. The people can see that it is better to pursue justice than war. 
it is an extremely important mm. thing for, for, for the world to come together and fund and facilitate these tribunals um, so, that, so that if you're an eight-year-old boy in Congo, you, you, know, you see that, that there are consequences when when you do yeah. this right and and and, and just and, i guess it's like justice versus vengeance that's right justice it's just justice vengeance justice. just keeps going yeah, yeah 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 we don't we we but we but the congolese people desperately need justice and and it shouldn't just be international um, courts, you know, with like Western judges, it should be Western judges going into Congo and working with Congolese judges to do Congo justice. Because there has to be that for a, for a community to have closure. That's there right. has to be that moment. It's so important. There has to be that moment of like, that's the reason that it happened. It's taken care of. That's right. We're all good. That's right. And and I think in the spirit of African traditions, you know, at least in, in the experience of the, the people that, that, that I've come to love, you know, justice in the same way that we think about it is 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 not really their tradition. Reconciliation is, and and so uh, see that flies in the face of everyone's concept. Of course, of everyone's course. concept of, is like I mean, you see it all over. The, I mean, you only have to. I wouldn't recommend ever, but you don't have to glimpse it live league, and it's just like. All you see is execution. Yeah. Everywhere you look. Like, yeah. oh, you looked at me the wrong way? Execution. Yes. Oh, you didn't say you're Islamic? Execution. Yes. That's, that's it. Yes. And, and my experience is that, um, you know, uh, the, that core African idea of Ubuntu, right? I am because we are that that is very, very real and alive. It has been destroyed through colonialism and a lot of other things. Um, and, and I think the reason why you see the war is really if you follow the money. Um, it's not core to the culture. I am... Because we are. Because we are. That's right. That's right. And, and, and that idea is core. You know, it's a South African idea, but it, it sort of permeates the consciousness of the continent, I think, in many ways. Um, so the first one is that. It's, 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 it's justice. The second one is free and fair elections in 2016. We can do this. This is possible. In 2011, we built a system with IDEO that allowed for people with their cell phones and radio to monitor their own elections. So they could text message signs of like corruption, coercion, violence to a radio uh -huh. station. Radio station put it online. We built the system. It was pioneering. And three days into the election, the government of Congo shut down text messaging across the country huh. and started killing civilians in the streets. Oh, God. Um, uh, 2016, they will not be able to stop us. We're going to have... We should have 4G balloons. We should have satellite internet covering the country. We should make sure that the Congolese people are free for the first time in history yeah. to vote and elect their own officials. And we can do it. And this is amazing. Like Australia's just had an election, and it was election day for a lot of America the other day. And certainly in Australia, election day is like, That's come right. on, yes. man. Foot, on. Football's on. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. It's like, I want the cake. Give me the guy that says he's not going to take so much tax. Uh, yeah. is, is it done yet? Yeah. Can we go? You know, you know. Uh, and here in the States, people don't even bother turning up. No, no idea. People don't even go. Yeah. So the yeah. fact yeah. that <laughs> it's, this is, and I've, like, I vote every time. I'm, Big, I'm big a on big it. democracy guy. I'm a big election guy, and, yeah. I, and I think of exactly the situation you're describing that people will face violence, oh, yeah. face death oh, just yeah. so they can vote, and that's how that's how I feel about uh, about democracy. And, and just hearing you describe that election day, and what goes on in your office when you've built this system, you're all oh. excellent. This is exciting. This is great. And then three days in, you're like, oh shit! Like, yeah, I, I obviously feel, people yeah. you work with. Uh, you're saying that people you work with are facing violence, if not death, because they work with you. Like, how do you deal with that? Yeah. 
I, I don't know that it was because they worked with us. Well, okay, let me let me rephrase that. But but but, but this. But people we work with are definitely risking their lives on a daily basis. Yes, 100%. And in a very, very real way, they are risking their lives. I mean, this is war. And, 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 and I think that's what makes it – it's not a cause. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it is a campaign of human beings around the world who have decided we're not okay with other human beings losing their lives so that we can get cheap gadgets. Like, we can solve this. This is totally solvable. Mm. And, and that, to me, is the third thing, is we can create a conflict-free export economy out of eastern Congo. And, and, and what that would mean is that for the first time in history, the resources of Congo would go to benefiting the Congolese people. It, it would also create enormous money for the region, um, and it would create more minerals for a modernizing global society. I think it's the only possible way we move into the 21st century that we all imagine. I don't know about you, but for me, when I think about the 21st century, I think about the whole world creating everything together. Hoverboard. Right? Like, hoverboard. That's right, totally. It's Hover, like, hoverboard. I want to create music with the world. I want to create art around the world. You know, I want to create films. I want to create businesses. I want to create, I want to create these things transcontinental, trans-country, right? Like, I want us to be able to fly anywhere, party anywhere. You know, just be all, the whole world circulating. Yeah. And, in, and, and right now, all the technology that makes that possible is coming from this place. And, and, and for the 21st century to fulfill its promise, promise, I think we've got to solve this. Right. Um, and, and so I'll tell you what we've done. And this is, I'll give you an example of like how we work in the region. Um, because we're not really focused on rehabilitating child soldiers. We're really focused on building that middle class in Congo. Uh-huh. And so we've been working for the last three years um, to create a small, fringe, conflict-free exporting business. Um, And so three weeks ago, we were able to ship out conflict-free coffee. Um, It it employed 2,000 farmers for about a month. Um, We'll sell it. We'll learn. We'll buy more, sell that again. Like you did with the whistles. And just keep learning. And and I don't know how what it turns into, and I don't know how it's going to work, but I know that it's a step and, and that eventually a fringe conflict-free economy that a number of people are working on in their own way will have to overtake the conflict economy because I don't know about you, like I would be happy to pay a couple bucks extra to buy a conflict-free phone or a conflict-free computer oh. or automobile or whatever it is. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Um, sorry, I thought like when I was researching you, there was, uh, that's what it said that that's okay. was, we, was we, doing. We, we have done that for years. We, okay. we funded rehabilitation of child soldiers right. and of vulnerable children. I think what we, what we realized after a lot of years of funding a lot of different things, we've, we've, we've funded the fast-growing radio station in eastern Congo. We funded a sustainable business that treated 300,000 people for malaria, um, the first professional hair care training school for women, you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, all those things were, they were Congolese ideas from Congolese entrepreneurs who wanted to build things, and we got them either the money or the training or the network or the partnerships that made it possible. And I think what we learned through that is that until there is a functioning industry Mm -hmm. that works and that doesn't fund rebels, then all this stuff, it just like starts and then it ends, and then it starts and it ends. Uh And so we started really directing energy towards the creation of that, um, that conflict-free export economy. And then then what that will do is create the foundation where we can start building all the other things. We want to build internet cafes, 
of course we should be rehabilitating children coming from the region, but I think that should really be funded by Congolese businesses. Mm-hmm. So you got to build those Congolese ent- entities because they're supporting their communities anyway, right? Yeah. Like anytime you're giving somebody a job, you're rehabilitating war affected kids because those those people they you know they might be the father to ten, but they are uncles to hundreds. Yeah, right. Um, and and so creating a job became after a number of years of trying a lot of things out, the sort of primary focus of what we do on the ground. And 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 that's what we were talking about before that it it, it changes the. It, it changes what? What's the not the word? The breeding ground's the wrong word. It no breeding ground works. I mean, you know, I agree. It's the wrong. It's the wrong phrase. But I get what you mean. It changes. It changes the entire. Because if yeah, if you've got if you've cultural, got thousands, if you've got thousands of young men who've got nothing to do, that's right, and are upset that they've got nothing to do. Of course, you're going to have violence, and it's easy to go, hey. You know why you've got nothing to do? Those guys. That's right. That's exactly right. Yes. Let's fucking. And go. you can do that over and over and over again. Yeah. And and if the conversation is instead, hey guys, I know right now you can make this amount of money working for the Rebel Army. I can't pay you that much yet, but I can pay you this, and it's a living wage, and you'll be working towards the future of your country. That's what they're going to choose, man. Like th- these are not these are not ideologues. They're not radicals. These rebels and these soldiers are not monsters. They are human beings doing the best they can in a really crappy situation, and the vast majority of them would rather put down their arms. I remember, like when I was reading, getting ready for this, you you, you mentioned a moment where there were two kids from opposing forces mm-hmm. sitting next to each other. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Moment? Yeah, you know that um, it was that first day in the military encampment and. One of the boys had fought for kind of the historically Bantu, Hutu side, and the other had fought for the historically Tutsi side, and um, and I freaked out. You know, I didn't know what that meant at the time. I just I knew so little. You know, you're just ignorant and, um, until you're not right. And 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 so I just freaked out and just said, "Does that make you enemies?" And one of them laughed, and he kissed the other one, and he just said, "We are only boys." How can we be enemies? And it was like, <laughs> I mean, that's the whole game, man. It's the whole game. But it, 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 we're, yeah. we're, the, we're the largest generation in the history of the world. You know, I mean, the, the generation that's currently under 31 is the largest generation in the history of the world, and it will increasingly be the majority vote in the vast majority of the most powerful countries in the world. I think the question, you know, we are only boys, how can we be enemies, is as permeate or is is as is as relevant today as it's ever been. Uh, I, there is a very real need um for us to have more opportunities to stare one another across the eyes, across the aisle and and stare each other into the eyes and and see the commonalities and work towards those rather than the differences. So I wanted to ask at the start yeah. of this, I wanted to ask about, you know, what is a kid growing up in the suburbs of Brisbane, Australia, <laughs> where I grew up? Congo's far away, man. Mm-hmm. It's not his fight. Totally. Why do I care? Totally. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's, uh, there's two answers to that. I'm busy playing Grand Theft Auto 5. Yeah, for sure. Um, which is really fun, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think there's two answers to that. Right? Yeah. One of them is, it does have to do with us, right? It's in our pockets. 
we're typing on them every day. Uh-huh. It is a part of what we're doing. There's minerals in that game controller. That's right. That that's right. In that PlayStation. Excavated in that, that's right. from this country. And, 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 and so, you know, we like in this country, in, in, in America, to talk about how we ended slavery. Uh-huh. You know, and it's a great moral victory for us. Um, but I think that there's a very real argument to be made that we didn't. It just, we just moved it further away. You know, and 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 in the same way that the abolitionists decided that they were no longer going to buy the cotton that was produced by slaves, and they were going to fight to demand that that the countries that said that all people are born free and equal make that a part of their law, I think we should do that again. Um, so that's one answer. The second answer is that you know, man, it's like it's just long overdue. You know, I mean, the original Congo War was when the bicycle was invented and then the automobile, and we needed rubber. There was a worldwide need for rubber. I was thinking about that today when I, was, I had to change the tire on that bike there. That's yes. A different color. And I was, I was thinking about it because I, like, I was researching this. I was like, yeah, that's right. There's, there was a time where this people would have died. Yeah, for that material. For that material. For that material. Yeah. You know, and, and in 20 years, 10 million people did die. It was <gasps> half the country. My goodness. As, you know, from the mid-1880s to around 1905, um, it was, half the country was, was, was killed in the pursuit of rubber. Um, when, the, you know, they didn't bring enough rubber back, uh, their hands were cut off. Oh, God. Um, and, and so, and, and, and the, the movement that rose up to end that was the second great human rights movement in history. And one of the leaders was Mark Twain. And Mark Twain said, the horseless carriage has made the whole world neighbors, right? The horseless carriage is the automobile. It's made the whole world neighbors. He's talking about our cities and how it changed, how we live, and we're all coming closer together. He's also talking about the nature of the global economy, right? Which is a sort of new thing at that point mm. um, in the way that we think of it today. And, and, you know, he's definitely referencing the fact that you are now buying things on a regular basis that are either fueling freedom for people, development for people, um, safety for people, or the opposite. And, and, and to me, the revolutionary prospect of our time is that our freedom, our security, our prosperity is irreversibly interdependent with everyone else's freedom, prosperity, and security. That the number one thing we can do to make ourselves safer is to make sure everyone is safe. The number one thing we can do to make ourselves richer is to make sure everyone has a living wage. The number one thing we can do to make sure that we are freer is to make sure everyone is free. And that's the 21st century that I think of um, when I think about the dream, right? Like the, what I want to live inside of um, is, a, is a 21st century where everybody gets a shot and where we're getting the ideas and the talent and the energy from not just the middle of Australia, but the middle of Africa and the middle of everywhere. Yeah. Um, and we all grow. But you put it in such a clear and concise way because a lot of these things start with, well, that person's got something that I don't have. That's right. Clean water, food. Sure. More women, whatever. Um, and I want it. Why can't I have that? Yeah. Uh, and and it, happen- it happens all over the world. And you're absolutely right. Like when you think about where is this country particularly focusing its, its campaigns against terrorism, it's in, yeah. it's in Africa. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and I I look on it honestly, mate. I agree with you that if it is in everyone's interests 
to make sure that Africa is as stable as it possibly can be because 100%. we don't know what's like 25 years from now. The, of course, that's the next place where this is coming from. Like, uh, what are we going to be up against? That's right. That's exactly. right. And, and, you know, I mean, I think if the rise of terrorism has taught us anything, it is that we are no longer safe from the outrage of the oppressed. You know, uh, I mean, uh, as, 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 the, as the digital world lifts up above our national borders and we can see one another, yeah. you know, I mean, we can like pick a street in Hong Kong and zoom down and look at the pebbles and the cracks inside of it. Yeah. And I think there's a very real question of like, will we also choose to allow our government to drop a bomb on that same street? Huh. You know, and, and, and this, this is happening, it is happening in a lot of parts of the world. The next big step, I think, is that it needs to happen with the bottom billion, right? Like, we need to see them as a part of our day, and like FaceTiming and Skyping and, and Facebooking and tweeting. You know, I mean, we're like right on the verge of real-time translation from Twitter, which means that we're going to be able to have conversations literally around the world at the same time in, you know, in real time. You know, this is where we're going and, and, and we got to deal with some of these fundamental issues. And so that's what the coalition is about, is saying, guys, we're selling the whistle as a symbol Right? It's a symbol of protest. It's about the power of you as an individual to dramatically affect the future. Um, we want you to be a whistleblower for peace. And, and we are organizing this coalition of whistleblowers to focus on ending the deadliest war of our time, to focus on peace in Congo. We've seen huge successes so far from the world uniting. We want to see many, many more. And, and I think that by the time we're done with this, we're going to look back and we're going to say all these lessons that we've learned, we can apply elsewhere. And, and, and so let's focus on one thing. Let's solve it. Let's do it. Like, let's do what our parents could not do. Yeah. And, and, and then let's learn what it takes to do it everywhere. It's like the space program. All that engineering then went out into society. That's right. And now it's open source. Exactly. And now we're like, you know, I mean, I very much so planned on going to space many times before I die, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, you yeah, know, yeah. That is part of my game plan in the next 20, 30 years. Oh, without a doubt. And it should be part of all of ours. Totally. I mean, we should totally be thinking that way. Just before we... Uh, well, we, real quick, real quick, yeah, yeah. on the space thing. This is actually really interesting. Real Hit quick. Because it's one is, of the things when people ask me about why I'm in America, I, I always say, so listen, the idea that this country went, we're going to do that and really, really scary thing. Yes. We're going to pour all these resources into it, and then everything we learn from it, we're going to give back to society. Boom. And then we did it. I'm like, that and the Hoover Dam. Sure, sure. <laughs> like you look Those at, are you two look big at ones. That, you look at right. and you think, yeah, you guys were pretty serious. You, yeah. said you, were, you said you were going to do it. You said you were going to do it. And then you did it, and then it, whatever you said was going to happen after happened. Like, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. It's a quite extraordinary. Like, we're sitting here right now because of the Hoover Dam. The That's The water right. that you're drinking tea out of came from the Rocky Mountains. Made because they, men with shovels dug it by hand 100 years ago. That's right. Like, and so those are the two things I love about America. So talk about space. Well, you know, I think we spent all this money and all this energy and all this intelligence, you know, building rockets to send people off the planet. Yeah. And I don't think that we thought about what would happen when we looked back. Uh -huh. You know, but, but what has happened in every single astronaut that has gone to space has been a profound psychological shift that has been called the overview effect. And the overview effect is been a shift where these people 
start looking at us as one species. And, you know, they see the planet just hanging there in space. It's so fragile. It's so vulnerable. It's just floating, this pale blue dot. The pale blue dot. That's the right. Carl Sagan. You know, I highly right. recommend it's you incredible. Google Carl Sagan's pale blue dot. Please there's, watch there's, it. Which is the astronaut? I can't remember his name, but I wish I knew it. He said he was looking at the Earth and he just, through a viewfinder, he just moved his thumb and then he couldn't see the Earth anymore. That's right. And he said it was the most terrifying, most alone he'd ever felt in his entire life just by obscuring his view of the Earth. And, and I honestly think that, that at some level the Internet is creating the overview effect mm-hmm. in humanity. Um, and and that, that's something that we should, we should encourage. We should, we should grow that. I mean, there's a lot of things we could do to just blow that out of the water. Um, and, and I think we should. Okay, three questions before yeah, yeah, you've yeah. been very, very generous. Yeah, 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 three, three questions before you. Oh, so much more I want to ask. <laughs> uh, the first one's going to be a long-ish answer. Uh, you're working in probably one of the most fluid uh, situations that exist on the planet. Like mm. with this solution that we've just come up with, no longer applies tomorrow. <laughs> and now we have to like. That's right. What have you learned? Your more your problem just like your problem solving skills must be like at ninja level. <laughs> what have you learned about problem solving within falling whistles? Fail cheap, fail early, fail often. Yeah, you know, I mean, and just get right back up and and keep moving forward. You know, I mean, we and I, I think people have really appreciated this historically. I think in the charity NGO advocacy space, failures have been really people have been really ashamed of them because people give their donations uh-huh. and, and so you want to do right by that money. I think we've had a little bit of freedom because we sell you a product and so there is an exchange uh-huh. and it's sort of like, well, if we didn't do everything you wanted done with your money, well, sorry, you know, at least you got, you know, there's a, there's a different relationship, I think. So we've been able to be really honest about our failures and there have been plenty of them. Um, through the failures, there have also been some staggering successes and, and, and so I've really... Um, I've really learned and would love to encourage everyone listening to to just lose that ego thing that needs to have it right every time and needs to do it the perfect way every time. Um, because, man, we are in a constant state of iteration. Yeah. It's just like prototype, 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 try, 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 try. And especially in a political situation, you know, you think about the We Stopped in 23 moment, people just slam you and they come at you with so much negativity and, and, and they, you know, there's so much history of, 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 of deception and, and cruelty that the space tends to take on some of those habits. And, and you just got to like brush it off, you know, clarify what you meant, right? New iteration, keep on moving, right? And iterate. And, mm-hmm. and, and so um, that's my biggest, that's, that's, that's I think the biggest lesson is how to do that in practicality. Teachers might teach you that, right? And you might hear it, but then you actually fail and you feel like an idiot and you know then there's that whole process so learning to let go of all that ego stuff has been helpful all right and this is the last question yeah and, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's 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 i i ask him for a really honest place i only because i saw a key and peel key and peel sketch about it the other night amazing what's the most inappropriate t-shirt you've seen in africa <laughs> um oh i wish i had it there's a because you see photos of like the most, they were talking about on this case, you see photos of the most terrifying death machine warlords and they're called, you know, Rambo Terminator Van Damme and they're wearing like a DuckTales t-shirt. Well, man, I mean, there's definitely, there are some funny ones, right? Like um, maybe the more serious answer is that on the day of Falling Whistles, um, one of the boys had a shirt and there's this is ironic in the extreme, but it was from an old 
um, Bath and Body Works ad that was for exfoliation. Uh-huh. Um, and the slogan was extinct forever. Huh. And that was, and so his shirt on the, it was this drooping, torn, just destroyed rag of a shirt hanging off of his body that was just bones. And, and the shirt just said extinct forever Bath and Body Works. And it was like created for some campaign here in North yeah. America, found its way through Goodwill or secondhand yeah. stores down to Africa. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's one of the boys you met on the first day when you found out about the Falling Whistles. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, we have an image of the shirt that's, that we have in the journal of the Falling Whistles and, uh, or the Falling Whistles journal. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget that image for sure. For sure. When's the book come out? Uh, so actually, this is great. I would love to end with this. Um, Last year, when M23 fled Goma, um, Sukombi, one of our partners who started the fast-growing radio station in eastern Congo, um, it's like the MTV of Congo. It's like art, music, sex, politics, war, revolution, the whole thing. It's amazing. Um, Sukombi decided to throw a party. So he said, it's five bucks, which is a ton of money for people. Come out. We're dancing all night. And 2,000 kids came out. And just dance the night away to celebrate M23 leaving. So we're doing it again. On December 10th this year, Sukombi is throwing a party in Goma to celebrate the end of M23 and peace in Congo. And we're going to join him in cities all over the world. So we've got 20 cities signed up. It's like Stockholm and Seoul, South Korea and Soweto, South Africa. Um, what's that? Is there one in Australia? We don't have one in Australia. We absolutely need to. Sydney, like, come on, let's, let's get one going. Yeah. But we want to do a party on December 10th where the whole world unites for peace in Congo. Um, we'll have, we'll have it all online so people can see images and videos coming from all over the world. And we also want to release the Free World Reader in all these cities on that night. This is the book you've been working on. This is the book we've been working on. It really describes Congo as a part of the system worldwide and how we can change it. You know, it represents over 40 authors. Every page is hand-designed. It's absolutely gorgeous. I'm more proud of it than anything we've ever worked on. And I cannot wait to show it to people. So, Sydney, if you're down or, or, or anywhere else, uh, Adelaide, you know what I mean? Like, let's, uh, let's yeah. get a party in Australia. Let's get the books to you. Let's celebrate in solidarity with the Congolese. And let's keep working towards peace in Congo. Go to our website, fallingwhistles.com, and give us your email so we can stay in touch. And, and we'll make sure you know when there's the next big push. Mate, I, um, I'm so grateful that you came here today. I'm so grateful that you've explained a very, very difficult, and for some people, the problem is just too big. It's like, oh, yeah. it's, uh, it's Africa and there's people fighting. And I don't <laughs> know why. Uh, I'll, just, uh, I'll just watch TV. Yeah, totally. Check Twitter. Totally. And just not look at the thing. By the way, I do that a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth saying. Dude, Downton Abbey's yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, Downton right. Abbey's on. I'm, I'm busy rooting right. root for Anna and Bates. Um, but yeah, you've explained in a way that can really relate to people. Yeah why it's so important to them and their day-to-day lives in Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, Townsville, Rockhampton, Bakersfield, San Francisco, New York, Los Angeles. Uh, at, I have someone that listens in Scandinavia. Amazing. I have one guy. Uh, oh, it's really like Bhutan. 
I looked online. Up, there's a guy that was hi, guy that listening in Bhutan. Hey, Bhutan. How are you, brother? Up? What's up? Or sister? You know, we have we have, <laughs> we have two people on staff from Sweden. Um, Killer. And, and we do a huge amount of work in Sweden. So if you're out there uh, in Sweden, what up? Kid? If you want to work with Sean Carrasso, I can't recommend a greater human being that you could possibly get in touch with uh, to work. If you're in Australia, you want to do some falling whistles work, yeah, man. Yeah, please. That would be awesome. Get in touch with Sean. Like, get in touch with me. I'll put you in touch with Sean. There you go. Uh, without a shadow of a doubt. He's a great man. They do great work. And if you're in Venice Beach, uh, if you're on Pacific, if you're on Maine, across the road from Barnyard, we're, well, our address Go in Venice hi. Beach is 100 Market Street. Um, you cannot forget that address. 100 Market Street. We're right next to the big Venice sign. You're in the thick of it, man. In the you're thick like, of it. You're across the street from a weed dispensary. There's a bong shop to the left. You're next right. to a secondhand store. There's a tattoo parlor 100 meters down. The Dogtown Z-Boys started right across the street from us. Exactly. We are in the thick of you're it. Right it's awesome. Gr- you are ground zero Venice Beach. That's right. You got to come out and come say hi. Usually on Fridays, we're having beers. We would love to have you guys. You're right by the Bank of America parking lot where heaps goes down. That's it. Heaps. It's heaps. It's always a party. Yes. I remember people always ask me, like, what you doing? I'm like, oh, there's a band playing in the parking lot. In the parking there's lot. Of always America. a band playing in the parking lot, right yeah, between that's... Insight and where you are. That's it. Um, Sean Carrasso, thank you so much. Guys, be a whistleblower for peace. Love you. You're the best. Quite a story, isn't it? That's Sean Carrasso at Falling Whistles or fallingwhistles.com to get involved. You're either getting a whistle, getting behind what they do, finding out more about what they do or getting along to that event in Sydney on the 10th of December. All the details will be there. Thank you so much again for listening. Please, again, head to iTunes, subscribe, rate, leave a comment about the show. Uh, Listen on Stitcher. You can comment there. And if you made it this far, please just reach down into your phone, hit share in the corner of your podcast app and send out a tweet or a Facebook update that you're listening. It'll take you 15 seconds. It'll be a good deed for the day. It'll make me very, very happy. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, big thank you to at Toehider on Twitter for my music. And thank you very much to at Saltmarsh for my artwork. For more info on upcoming guests at Osher Ginsberg, head to osherginsberg.com. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening. That was a great chat with Sean. Um, he's a good guy, man. He's doing some good work. We're all one, my friends. Thank you so much for being here. Sleep well. Dream of beautiful things. As I say in my yoga class, namaste. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 